ask me, ask Eliza anything. It's time to ask. Ask me all your questions. Leave them in the Instagram comment section. Leave them on your Twitter or leave them on your Facebook. We'll see them. We'll read them. Then we'll give you answers. You know it. I've got it. I've got the answer. Welcome back to another episode of Ask Eliza Anything, the podcast where we take your problems and turn them into comedy. To my truckers out there, my long-haul truckers listening to the soothing sounds of my voice, welcome to my ASMR podcast. Does that bother you? That one was pretty good. You guys, we have culled all of your questions from social media, mostly Instagram, because I always forget to check Facebook. I'm looking. She's looking, and my baby arm is looking. And we've got some answers for you. People want to know how to live life better. They've got small questions. Some people just want to hear me talk, and I totally understand that. So let's get to the questions. Let's get to the questions. All right. (laughs) I know. It's it's too much. Okay, this first question, I really am curious to hear your take on. Al.Isha96958 says, Why did my crackhead manager steal 200 pounds of shredded mozzarella from work? What did he do with it? He couldn't store it. There's no black market for cheese. Well, not in 1995, but I hear it sells on Craigslist. He couldn't eat it, and he would have to know 50 crack dealers at least to barter it. This mm. question has been the bane of my existence for 23 years. The meaning to life is in this puzzle. Uh, it's not, and it's actually very simple. And the fact this has been the bane of your existence for 23 years is insane. People, first of all, it's no different than stealing office supplies. You obviously worked at, like, a pizza place or some sort of food industry, restaurant, whatever. It's like stealing office supplies. People like to feel like they're getting something out of the deal. It's the same reason people steal highlighters from work. The idea that like, oh, I have this job. I don't like it. You don't steal from jobs that you like, by the way, Um, unless you're like a trader. It's like a Lehman Brothers thing. But people like to feel like they're equipping themselves for later. Like, I'm going to do something with these paper clips. He stole that cheese because he could. 200 pounds. How? Why? Where? First of all, I don't buy that number at all. I think this person's lying. No. He stole that cheese because he could. I want to assume they're telling the truth. You're not giving it enough pause because that's the answer. He stole the cheese because he could and that's it. Maybe it was to eat a little bit of it and maybe it was just to feel like you've got some power in this world that squeezes the life from you on a daily basis, especially if you're working at a pizza place. But that's like two U's worth of cheese. Like two U's. It's 200 pounds. They didn't say it once, by the way. So it could have been an ounce of cheese every day. Yeah, but then that, well. No. It sounded like somebody was squeezing a parakeet and he, the parakeet was objecting the whole time. I'm imagining a heist. A truck full of like an Ocean's Eleven, an Ocean's Eight with <laughs> oh, the girl one. Yes, that's it. Uh, people do also. People do shitty things when they. I mean, I remember not liking my job, and you when you don't like your job and you feel like you're not being paid enough, you try to get every dollar you can. I had a job, I wasn't paid a lot, and my boss would send me on an errand. I'd be like, "Hey, reimburse me for this mile of gas." Like, when you're not happy, you do things like that. Or the other ex- uh, explanation is he's a klepto and a weirdo. <laughs> he didn't specify how much cheese and when over what period of time, but that would be my answer. Even if you had a family, like, you can't just feed them cheese all the time. So <laughs> so that's it. Uh, that person felt powerless, and people do strange things when they feel powerless. It's a, they grab at any sort of power, any sort of feeling of significance wherever they can. 
You know, it's like people that that won't let you in in a line of traffic. You know, these people have small dicks. Uh, and if they're women, they have even smaller dicks. I didn't which let is really in a weird. woman today in a minivan because yeah, I was mad at her. Because you have a small penis. I was mad at her. There should be better. She came right up on me in her minivan. So the question is, you know, like, why do you need it like that? People who are fulfilled and successful and happy or just happy don't do microaggression shitty things. So that or your, your boss is just a whack job or you're misremembering from 23 years ago and they stole like a bag of cheese once. And they had the best pizza party, the ultimate pizza party, and you weren't invited because you were a snitch. So I should not be stealing mozzarella from your home. Well, there's the answer to your life. This person's like, the meaning of life is in this puzzle. No, it was always there, and you were too close to it to realize. (laughs) You have to steal food. I try to give you food all the time. Don't you think that would genuinely haunt me if somebody stole, if somebody pulled off stealing 200 pounds? Because it could quantify in some way whether it was all at once or over a course of days what are they doing with it? I would think about that for sure. Nothing. Nothing. Just like you've done nothing with the office supply you stole. Because it's not about the object. It's about the significance behind the object. Like when people steal stuff from, like, kleptos. It's not about stealing the thing. It's about the act of stealing. It's about the act behind the object. And that is the name of my new autobiography. Oh my the act behind the object. But think about it. Usually it's not about the thing. It's about the thing that's about the thing. I hope this guy is a cheese supervillain now and he calls you out in his just press conference. radioactive cheese. He's yeah. like, it was over 200 pounds. <laughs> the city gets the villain it deserves. Oh, my God. What is it? The city deserves a better class of cheese criminal. What? Batman. Are you trying to do a Batman? I, I don't think I tried. I think I did it successfully. Okay. Probably top 10. Uh, top joke, 10 Joke Batman. impressions. You could be the new Batman. Ben Affleck's out. Henry Cavill's out. You be Batman. I'll be Superman. Why can't Batman be a woman? Okay. Rusty mustard. Ew. Underscore. I gave her the old rusty mustard. Oh. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Okay. Asks, if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, Ugh. who would it be and what would you eat? Okay. Uh, it's funny that you asked that because my friend Rebecca Searle, who is a friend of the pod. I don't really like her that much. Uh, no, a friend of the podcast and a friend of mine recently released a book called The Dinner List. And she, to promote it, she asked people uh, if you could have dinner with like five people dead or alive, who would they be? And I answered it. I also hate this question because there's so many people and all people are looking to do is you, they want you to give answers to show that you're not racist. Um, <laughs> speaking of race, Thomas Jefferson, my grandfather, Queen Victoria, Harriet Tubman, and Catherine the Great. These, what do you got to say to Thomas Jefferson? What's it's not about what I have to say. It's about what he has to say. But, the guy was brilliant. I want to hear, you know, what was it like? I mean, is it Thomas Jefferson as if he never died? <laughs> or is it like him in his prime? I want to know about his brilliance. I want to know about his vision for the country. My grandfather just got some questions about the family and about World War II. Uh-huh. Uh, Queen Victoria, you know, they named an entire era after her. And she's a pretty seminal figure in England's identity. Harriet Tubman, talk about bravery. Talk about someone who, like, laid their life on the line for something they believed in. You know, that's, we're going back to the beginning of all this. I think that'd be cool. And Catherine the Great, because Russia is this weird country that 
people are also white over there, but it's the other side of the world, and they've always sort of hated us and always sort of emulated. First, they emulated England and their monarchy, and they're, like, obsessed with us, and she was at the height of the Romanovs, and I want to know, like, what's it like to live in all that opulence but have, like, a garbage identity? Like, I just want to know, was your family, you know, and what did you think about Rasputin? Maybe he could be at dinner. What will we eat? Sour Patch Kids and popcorn. Next question. Those people would all get dysentery and die if you fed them Sour Patch Kids and popcorn. Yeah, their bodies aren't used to it. Although, I'm sure the Russians, like, had something in the works. What if it's a fictional character? Do you have any fictional characters you would want to have dinner with? What am I with? supposed to say? Like, Spider-Man? No. Or something? Although, I, I did cry while playing the Spider-Man game. Cool. <laughs> cool. I'm not, I'm not digging into that. Nice bait. I'm not taking it. No, everybody Fictional did. characters? Yeah. Oh, you know what would be fun? This is so bad. Um, what was her name from Devil Wears Prada? Oh. Miranda. Yeah, Miranda Priestly. Maybe that boss. Yeah. Just because she's hilarious. Have a have a light lunch with her, see what's up. Yeah, I mean, this is off the top of my head because I hate questions like that. Like, if you could meet one person. Because, I don't know, it's like, oh, it's like, what's your favorite movie? Favorite joke? I'm like, I don't live life quantifying in the tiniest of bits. I've got a lot of favorites. Mm-hmm. I'm angry. Boy. Got a lot of favorite songs. My favorite song, though, is is Taylor Dane, Tell It to My Heart. Top, that is top favorite. favorite of all time. I love that song. This V. Joycey wants to know, from your travels around the world, are there any differences with audiences from different places? <laughs> now, this would be your comedy audiences at your comedy shows. Yeah. Um, there are. For the most part, if you're coming to see my show at this time— like, now this is where I've had, I have an audience that's earned. You're not coming like, oh, let's check out this girl. We won free tickets. I hope I get a free beer. Um, <laughs> you're coming. You've seen my specials. At least one of them. You know who I am or you're coming. You know, you have an idea. My audiences really vary. I'm actually very lucky. Because people are always like, what does your typical audience member look like? Yes, there are a lot of white girls <laughs> that look like me. But there are a ton LGBTQ community, um, a lot of older married folks. A lot of married couples, a lot of lesbian couples, a lot of people come by themselves. I get a lot of dudes. but I'll get bachelor parties. It really runs the gamut. The commonality I think that these people have is that they are willing to be taken on. I was writing about this on Instagram the other day. They're willing to let me take them on a journey for an hour. And with that willingness comes a sort of open-mindedness. We don't have to be politically aligned. You know, I get a lot of, like, middle-aged men at the shows that have, like, seen some shit but there's, like, a whimsical nature to it, so I think they all are open-minded to an extent and uh, and want to be taken on that journey. So your question was, do audiences vary? I've noticed—everybody knows Canadians are polite. They are. I, You know what? Even though Canadians are big drinkers, I don't think I've ever had, like, an issue at a Canadian show. Like, that doesn't stand out in my mind because they're all just polite. Um, European audiences, British audiences are super polite in— Northern Europe, like if like Norway and Sweden, they do like it's I've gotten more encores there. Like they keep clapping and I'm like, what do they want? They're like, they want you to go back outside. Um, so I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I can't think of like bad audiences. I mean, there are cities where you're not getting like the best of the best. And those audiences, stupid audiences aren't helpful. I'm not going to like name names. I'm never going to do that. But, yeah, I think you get more polite audiences the farther north you go. And then Europe, they were all super polite. No one was, like, rowdy. 
I guess at this level, it's not going to be a rowdy audience. Even I played a festival the other night at 11 p.m., and it was a festival. I'm like, oh, they're all going to have sunstroke and be drunk. And they were so polite. I think when you're paying a decent amount of money for your ticket, you know, that being said, I guess I, yeah. So I guess that's it. You know, I'm not going to be like, yeah, people from Nebraska are all dicks. Like, that's insane. Those sweeping statements are insane because then you're going off this notion that all people are the same everywhere depending on their city. So that's, you know, people come out. It shakes out. So all my audiences are great. That's it. I'm really happy with them. There's a a trust I have with them, which is why I have a lot of security because anyone wants to break that trust and we will break your fucking neck. Oh, boy. Come on out to a show. All right. Well, Aaron Oldford wants to know, what do you do with all the amazing and ridiculous things we bring to you at shows? I ship it. Recently, I've had to start shipping things, which is very expensive. Um, You know, I really try to honor the fact that people are spending time and money above and beyond what they've already spent on a ticket and a VIP pass. So, like, if you're bringing me a gift, like, you took extra time out of your day to go and craft something, order something. I get a lot of, like, custom things, picture of Blanche with her face on it or my wedding picture in an album, like, in a frame. So I'm always so grateful and blown away by the generosity and creativity. I always try to take a picture, and it's gotten to the point where now there's so many, I don't, I can't, it used to be every gift got its own Instagram static post, and I can't do that anymore, so now I make little albums. I ship a lot of it. Here's a full disclosure. If you bring me something that is like homemade food, I cannot take that. I love you. I'm sure you're amazing. All it takes is one fucking psychopath <laughs> to do something weird. If you bring Blanche like a dog treat that's like from a bakery, if it's unsealed, I can't give her that. I will definitely open up like dog bags that are sealed like from a store. That's fine. But just from a safety standard, I can't eat all the candy, you know. But if you make me something, like somebody made me welded me a metal rose at this last show and I had that shipped home. People bring alcohol. Sometimes I try to ship it. Sometimes I can't. So I really try my best to honor how much time and effort you put into something. Um, All the cards I take home and I do read through them because people write personal things. So it really is about, you know, and you're always going to hurt someone's feelings. Oh, I gave you this one. I gave you a scrunchie and there and you didn't post it. It's like, okay, keep in mind. While respecting what you've done, I finish a show, you know, maybe it's two shows. I was, I I couldn't even see straight after this last weekend. And I go back and I take pictures of everything. And I go back to my room and I take the cards and I take pictures of the gift with the card. And then I read the card and I try to attach your screen name, like your handle. Like I try to honor it as best I can. And if you get left out, it's not personal. It was just an oversight or, you know, if you give me a Reese's cup, I can't give that its own post. Because the idea is that I want people to see what you did. And if the, if you post things that aren't special, then people will stop looking. And I want people to see what you guys did. So that's the answer. I save as much of it as I can. And some things can't. Like, I don't check a bag. So uh, unless I'm in Europe, most things have to get shipped. Anything over three ounces of liquid has to get shipped. <laughs> so you'll bring me, like, giant bottles of vodka. And I'm like, yeah. okay. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not drinking alone. on the plane yeah you're not a plane drinker i am not a plane drinker i also don't believe in drinking before shows like i won't even have a drink at like brunch i was gonna say breakfast but like who does that and only recently after 10 years of this rule i broke my own rule because my show was at 11 p.m and i was on a flight at noon 
And I was like, and the flight was freezing. I couldn't feel my feet. So I ordered a glass of wine thinking I could warm myself up. Also knowing I had like 11 hours to sleep it off and everything was fine. So that was a desperate times. Okay. Whoa. Hey guys, it's Raven says. Hey guys. <laughs> my ex got a new girlfriend. Should I tell her about his past history of cheating or let her figure it out for herself? No, do not reach out to this woman. You don't know her. Here is what will happen. First of all, she already thinks you're the bad guy because you're the ex. We have this predisposition to thinking anyone's ex is a bad person. You just do. It's like my ex. Even the ex. It's like ex. Right? It's not like a dainty letter. He, considering the fact that she's dating him and she trusts him and loves him, he's just going to twist it. And if he's already a cheater, that means he's a liar. He's going to twist it so that it's framed like you're jealous. You're obsessed with him. It's not about, like, there There are extenuating circumstances when it comes to girl code and breaking it. You don't owe her anything. This is If it's not a girl that you're friends with, like, if the guy hit you, maybe you might want to be like, just so you know. And there is a way to communicate that. But if he, it's, it's none of your business. And not all cheaters stay cheaters. I'm not saying you deserve to be cheated on, but I don't know the history. Don't reach out to her. Because you're only going to end up looking worse. We have this tendency in our society to kind of always blame the woman, even if she's the victim. Women especially love to frame other women. She's stealing him as if, like, cheating on someone isn't, like, a two-party thing. Um, So don't do it. I dated a total, total sociopath and recently, and he he didn't cheat on me. I mean, that would be insane. He didn't cheat on me, but he definitely, like, lied the entire time, and everybody knows the story. And recently, I think somebody told me, that he was getting married and they were like, do you want to tell her? And I was like, fuck no, because a, if she hasn't heard the story about me already, she's not going to believe me. And it's going to look like I'm this girl that's obsessed. So no, I have no, I also wouldn't give that person the satisfaction of me looking like I'm trying to be in their life again. Yeah. Like move on. She'll figure it out for herself. Not everybody comes with a warning label. Oh yeah. <laughs> Trademark that. Feel free to steal that in internet. Internet, the meme accounts can mm-hmm. get right on that. Jealous. Suzanne Plasman says, What can I do when a friend starts to annoy me? I mean, a real good friend who is used to being super close, but I feel like I I time was... is over. Still, I don't want to have that talk. You're talking about a friend breakup. A friend breakup. When a fr- or do, when a friend, I guess a friend starts to annoy me. No, no, you're talking about a friend breakup. Yeah. You're basically saying at a certain point of your life, Suzanne Plasman sounds like you're a, a middle-aged woman. I have no idea. Just the fact that you use the full name. <laughs> I don't know. Um, one of my friends did a friend breakup with a friend of hers. They are, uh, she's a lesbian, he's a gay guy. So, and just the fact like she's a boy and he's a, I'm sorry, she's a girl. Wow. She's a girl, he's a boy. It makes it a little, you can be a little bit more brutal when someone's the opposite sex just because... You can. Somehow there's an unspoken thing. Like, I had a really good friend I didn't invite to my wedding, and I was like, he'll get over it. Um, Because men tend to not care as much. But I think there's two schools of thought. You can write her an email. My friend laid out for him. He also, the fact he was, you know, an addict, and he leaned on her too much. Like, he had consistently done things that, you know, and she's like, I'm married now. I've got a life. I don't have time for our, like, college fuckery. Like, he's always like, can I crash on your couch? I'm do-. He was always the guy that was, like, getting into different projects. And she was like, give me a fucking break. Um, 
So she wrote him an email outlining her feelings. Here are the facts. At the end of the day, your feelings are your feelings. And no one can take that. Like, if she makes you feel bad, if she does X, Y, and Z, like, you're entitled to feel that way. You have to think about, are you, do you want to hurt her feelings or do you want to just make a clean break? You can do the L.A. thing where you're just getting less and less text. You're busy. I've definitely done that with people who don't serve a purpose. And someone could not serve a purpose, and that doesn't mean that they're a bad person. Your time is valuable. You've got things to do. You don't have time for everyone. You can slowly phase her out. And if she asks, you can be honest. It's not going to feel good for her. But I always think if you're coming from a pure place of intention, they can get mad, but, you know, you can't, I don't know, you can't be faulted. So push comes to shove and she wants to know. You can say, look, your behavior makes me uncomfortable. I don't know what this woman did. And maybe she needs a shoulder to cry on. Maybe she's acting out or something. You have to ask yourself if you want to be the friend to help that or if you don't care about this person. Or you could simply be outgrowing them and they don't realize it. In which case, I suggest just phasing it out slowly. Less and less texts get read. Less emails get answered. You're just busy all the time. I happen to be busy all the time. Like, I can't make your birthday or your bachelorette party. Like, I'm always on the road. My friends, like, get that now. They're, like, shocked when I'm in my home. Um, but, yeah, not every text has to, has to be read. You can do the, oh, I didn't see this text. You can do that. You know, that's a graceful way to slip out of it. Blame the technology. Oh, my phone's weird. Anyone ever tells you their phone's weird? It means that they're ignoring you. Don't blow up my spot. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about your friend. It's true, though. I don't know what the friend's doing. I don't have any details. Annoying. You, it just sounds like you're is. outgrowing her, yeah. which is just part of getting older. If you're just now getting into your 30s, what is it, Susan Plasman? Suzanne. Suzanne. A little snazzier. Suzanne. If you're just now getting in your 30s, you're probably just now coming to terms with the idea that you're outgrowing friends and that not everything is this, like, best friend, friend, bracelet of friendship, sorority mentality that you had in your 20s. just happens. Wait till you get to your 40s. You got one friend who lives across the country. That's it. Is that your plan? Yeah. My plan is just to talk to Michelle once a year. And that's it? That's it. That's all I need. Oh, boy. All right. Dub Dub 86. Dub Dub. Needs your help. Dub Dub. Dub 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 Dub. If my friend is 32 and has obviously thinning hair, should he just shave it and go for the whole 32-year-old shaved head look? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, Scott's saying yeah. Scott gets it. He's like, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> don't, don't try to hold out. Do it. <laughs> yeah, there is that. You know, people. Uh, that being said, I have fine hair and I wear it down and straight and people could look at me and be like, you look like Vigo the Carpathian. You know, what are you doing? Um, People will be able to tell. It's like the equivalent of a comb over. That being said, your hair is your identity. You had it your whole life. I'm not a dude, so I don't fully understand the importance of it and what that feels like. Um, Also being said, if you shave your head and somebody meets you for the first time, to them, you're just a dude with a shaved head. Like, they won't compare you to the way you used to look, and the sooner you do it, the more people will forget what you used to look like. So there's a lot of shaved head. Shave it. Dudes out there. No one will question a shaved head. They will question hair that should be shaved. Correct. If you have a shaved head, be like, whatever. You don't have to have it, like, skinhead close. You could just have, like, you know, a light buzz. But, yeah, give it a try. Also, it will grow back. Or maybe it won't. But these last soldiers on the last follicles, you shaved me once, I'll never do it again. Yeah, you just don't want, like, a Homer Simpson situation. Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want to— Three hairs. There's this weird— component of our society where we get angry at people when they do their best to conform to our standards if you pull it off flawlessly then we praise you like when you get work done and no one can tell they're like she's beautiful but when a woman gets like bad lip job a bad boob job 
we get almost angrier at the attempt. And it's similar with men. We want you to have this thick head of hair and look great. No, I love bald guys. Whatever. But in general, like, there's this emphasis on having hair. And when you naturally don't, which is something that's almost impossible to cure, and you try to do the comb over, we get comb over, we get angry. Like, oh, he's trying too hard. As if we all aren't trying too hard all the time. We're all trying. And it, it sucks to be shamed for merely trying. Hopefully, people are nice to him. I hope the best for Dub Dub's friend. Remember the name of the iguana in The Simpsons? Patty and Selma's iguana? Jub Jub. Oh, yeah. I love that name. That is a good Jub Jub. Is that going to be Blanche's name? No. Are you my Jub Jub? She's like, let me die in peace. said you didn't want to answer questions about your butthole no i don't that's gross because okay. there's all these like weirdo reddit dudes that are like yeah talk about your butthole <laughs> i've already put a camera in your toilet okay. let's talk about that power dump i had food poisoning last week <laughs> so okay. i got something to say about it all right Great. everybody always acts like it's about vomit when they're sick i just want to say something real quick <laughs> we don't i'm just going to be real with this if somebody is like, oh, my stomach hurts, it means they have to take a Jurassic dump, okay? Power turd time. <laughs> the Oh, I just, I threw up. You throw up if you had too much alcohol. <laughs> you can throw up from uh, food poisoning, but chances are if you're throwing up, it's getting out. Like, it's coming out and you're fine. <laughs> On a date, like, oh, my stomach hurts. If someone's stomach hurts, it means <laughs> turd time. And we're not allowed to say that. It's always like, oh, I was so sick, I was throwing up. Yeah, and you were pooping. Just admit it. I had food poisoning, and it was... I was so dehydrated, my knees hurt for two days because I was just, like, on that toilet. So that's what happens. So I you want to talk about shit? Yeah, you can definitely kind of, like, not brag, but kind of that thing where people are like, oh, I didn't get enough sleep. Where you can be like, oh, I threw up. Like, I was so sick. I th- but you would never be like, I was so sick. I just pooped all day long. Yeah, nobody wants to say that. But that's the majority of the time it's probably an intestinal issue and you're taking massive dumps left and right. So you want to talk about buttholes? Here it is, folks. When girls are like, I was so sick, I was throwing up. No. Just shooting hot buttloads left and right. <laughs> oh, God. I know. I'm just saying. I'm not saying I did it. Like, I've never <laughs> pooped. I'm just no. saying that's it. When people talk about like, oh, my stomach or, oh, I have to cancel the date. Just And don't get mad at them. Be like, all right, you got to go tear it up with a can of Raid in your bathroom. Well. Tear it up. You like to, you think everybody is pooping 100% of the time. They are. Whenever. How many times a day do you poop? Four? Five? <laughs> no. You think every time you call someone, yep. if they don't answer the phone, mm-hmm. that they are pooping. 100%. Oh, I don't have your man. Hi, can I talk to my manager? Oh, I don't have her right now. I'm like, she's taking dumps. No. Yeah. Everyone's poop. It's a great way to shame someone into calling you back because they'll call you back just to refute it. Be like, I wasn't pooping. I was on my grind. I mean, here, I re- I put a squatty potty in my bathroom, which Ew, is... Emily. Here's the thing. Exactly. Because I don't want to like, people are like, oh, it's just in here. And I'm like, where else would it be? Totally. It's advertised on TV. Totally. It makes lives better, and, but it's somehow shameful to have it. But, like, a million of them have sold. Well, that's I- the thing, because people can order them discreetly. You know when that squatty potty doctor went on... Shark Tank, he was like, oh, this better work. Otherwise, I'm just going to be associated with <laughs> bad bowel movements. And it worked. I went to a meeting the other day, like an executive at a network, and they had a squatty potty in their to- in their bathroom. And it's weird. It's almost this, like, it's this concrete thing that reminds you, like, yeah, he's taking shits at work. <laughs> Coffee, going in, coming out. 
Which is like, yeah, the toilet's already there. What do you think a toilet's for? Right, but you don't want to. You don't want to think about it. But my bathroom is just so small. But I've had people come. Oh, you you got a squat? I'm like, yeah, I do. I want a relaxing dump time. <laughs> right? It's turd time. All right. <laughs> I've gotten gotten to live out my fantasy of talking about poop. I mean, I know you very much enjoy it. Time for a nice smooth thunder dump. Here I come. That is one of your favorite sayings. Thunder dump. Thunder dump. Because my dog. Thunder and Jurassic. Jurassic is hilarious. It's very funny. And my dog, although small, takes thunder dumps like big old revenge poops in your office when no one's home. She's like, I just gotta, I just gotta say my part. <laughs> Okay, got to pass out now, real quick. <laughs> just quick power peeps. Okay, now where do I go? Okay, no one's here. <laughs> it's just her relieving herself in powerful, meaningful ways to make it clear that she doesn't like to be alone. I know. She she has a real, it's a spite dump. Yeah, it's a spite dump. Welcome back. Hey, good night, Los Angeles. We are spite dump. Open it up for Jurassic Turd this weekend at the Forum. Power dump is headline. Okay. Now we we're not going to answer the butthole question. Do you want to answer the, the big paragraph one? question? Do you want to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. This is going to be the bulk of the podcast because this is a multi-part question, and I will read it. Lupal Negru says, "How have you dealt with harassment? I don't just mean people yelling gross things on the street, but more of close contact harassment, like at work, the gym, the bus, the subway. It's LA. No one takes the subway." I recently, not for the first time, had a guy come up to me at the gym while I was on the treadmill, while I had earbuds in, and tell me I should be running because then I would lose more weight. Now, I'm going to pause it right there. I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt for two seconds. I don't know. I mean, there is that school of thought, like, don't comment on a woman's weight. I don't know if you're overweight. I don't know if you're underweight. I don't know if your goal is weight loss or cardio health. Um, It's not completely – maybe he was a trainer, so I'm just kind of like – Covering my bases here. Mm-hmm. Not completely out of, out of, wow, I just had a brain fart. A brain dump, power dump. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility that he was like, oh, if she would run, she would, you know, there was that. But then it's also like, oh, don't mansplain me about my workout. I got this one time. I told a girl that bananas have sugar in them at Starbucks, and she, like, got very upset with me for deigning to have an opinion. And people kind of took her side, and I felt really bad about that. <laughs> so he might have just been trying to help. But she said, I really wanted to tell him to fuck off, but I was at the gym in my apartment, and at the time all I could think of was how long has this guy been watching me, and is he going to follow me back to my flat? Okay, so you're British. Okay, so overweight. No, I'm just kidding. I ended up telling the apartment manager about it. So basically what the issue is is you're in your gym in your apartment complex, and you got the vibe. You were nervous that this guy was watching you, and this was his in to talking to you. And you had that very real fear of if I upset this man or even if I don't, is this guy going to follow me? Like, does he know where I live now? Uh, Because he's talking to you basically in your home. Why is this happening? Sorry. I ended up telling the apartment manager about it, but it's not like that's going to stop anything from happening in the future. Right. Because he didn't do anything illegal. There's the rub. You not feeling safe, unfortunately, has no legal bearing on his actions. Uh, The answer I frequently... Sorry, why is this happening? Why does this feel like it's becoming more frequent and how do we make it stop? I don't know if it's becoming more frequent, honestly, as much as we're just more tuned into it. You know, the harassment of women has always been a thing. That was like when Black Lives Matter was at the forefront of our news 
And all of a sudden we're like, oh, my gosh, all these young black kids are getting killed. And the black community was like, no, it's not now. It's always been that way. You're just noticing it now with fresh eyes. Um, or like anti-Semitism. People are like, oh, wow, it's everywhere. It's like, no, it's always been this way. So people have been harassing women since day one. Like, since they kicked Lilith out of the Garden of Eden, we're like, okay, you, Eve, because you're more submissive. Like, it's been a thing. Um, I think we're just now very, our eyes are very open to it in a, a post-Me Too, Time's Up, not really post, we're still in it, world. She says, the answer I've frequently heard is, we have to change the way we raise our sons, which, sure, but I feel like that answer implies putting everything, or at least most of the responsibility, on the mother. True. And I don't feel like there's a bunch of women out there raising assholes. Untrue. There are plenty. But you're not wrong about how it is low-key shaming the mother. I myself have been like, oh, those are bad parents, bad mothers, and it's not fair. You're right. That onus does get placed on the mother. Um, she says, how can we, all of us as humans, which I appreciate, try to change this bro culture? Um... She says, also, I don't know if you get this, too, but when these things sort of when these sort of things happen to me, while it doesn't completely ruin my day, I certainly don't feel great afterwards. How would you pull yourself out of that rut? Okay, so your first question is, how do we change this bro culture? I not only believe this, but I my actions. It's not just words, it's actions. I like to think and I'm not saying my act is the answer. Men leave my act feeling entertained and they're like, oh, I learned something. I think it's all about, call it the opposition, anyone that's not you, educating people in a way that doesn't make them feel attacked because there are so many men out there that are on our side and good guys, right? Like my husband's one of them, the guys that I'm friends with, some comics, some. Um, You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, you don't want to walk around being like, I hate men, and this is not what you're doing because then good guys will eventually get fatigued and be like, Not that they're going to start raping, but they'll get tired of hearing this. Nobody wants to be lumped in. So I think it's important to do the best we can, to have the most patience. If somebody is a shitty person, I don't know if that changes. Like if you're you're a rapist, it's something that's wrong with you. You can't be talked out of rape. So it isn't as if we can correct that. You can send them to jail. There's I made a mistake when I was drunk, and then there's I'm calculated, and this is how I operate, and I'm a criminal. So, and, but there is, I think, under that, the bro culture, the objectification, and I think we change it one thing at a time. I don't know if this, if it's a sort of brain scrubbing that this generation can't withstand and maybe we just have to teach the next generation. I think it's little things and being vocal, even if you get called a bitch, you know, saying, no, this isn't okay. Like, I grew up, if someone called me sweetheart, I never thought twice about it. And I don't know if it still bothers me, but it's the idea that we keep having these conversations and keep kind of informing this agenda and I do think it slowly starts to change we've seen it with these movements we've seen it with civil rights issues so I think it's always it's about knowing that now in the wake of all these this pendulum has swung so far to the left that you know sometimes it feels like a witch hunt but what's important about these movements is that women feel safe you know you went to your apartment manager you weren't afraid he was going to call you a slut there will always be ignorant people that do that, but now you have a time. There's a place to do it, and people will support you in that. Um, but rights are always fought for. You'd think a right is a right, and it's inalienable, but other people don't see it that way. So, and women's rights have never come easily, and they will continue to be something that you have to fight for and be vocal for. Otherwise, it just goes back to the status quo. So, your question is: It doesn't completely ruin my day. I certainly don't feel great afterwards. How do you pull yourself out of that rut? You know, I can't honestly say that 
like I'm dealing with a legal situation right now and it's something like this. And every time I have to talk to my lawyer because what's happening is so horrible, it sets my day on fire. I can't eat. I get upset. And I only recently decided that you give things power and energy. And you have to decide, am I going to let the actions of somebody who's not as smart as me and sad and broken legitimately take away this day that I'm entitled to enjoying? How much power, you know, you can get sad and you can get upset, but like how much power are you going to give this? And also just knowing like, yeah, being a woman is tough and horrible things happen. But they, people that do these things want you to feel bad. That guy, I don't know what he wanted. But when, when some people intentionally go out of the way to hurt you, they want you to feel as bad as they feel inside. And you have to just decide that you're a higher being and better. And this is for anything. If someone calls you, makes fun of your religion or your race or your face or whatever, you have to just decide that person is broken. I'm not going down to their level. What does Michelle Obama say? When they go low, we go high. Turns out, turns out in the end, we ended up electing Donald Trump. But all you can ever do is hold yourself to a higher light and know that what you're doing comes from the best intention and know that people will try to hurt you. And hopefully you can just surround yourself with people that make you feel safe uh, and get bear spray. When I had a stalker come to my house, I was like, how do I arm myself in a legal way? <laughs> and everyone's like, get a gun. And I was like, not cool with that. Neither was my hippie husband from Santa Monica. Compared to him, I look like oh, like a well-armed right-wing militia. Compared to him, I seem like I'm from like I'm in like a family band and we love shooting skeet. <laughs> Compared to my husband, that's what I come off as. So that's my answer. I'm sorry that happened to you. It's not going to end. That's the best thing I can tell you. It's not ever going to end. This, these microaggressions will become macroaggressions. Things will happen. Someone will follow you home one day. Someone will say something. Someone will say something online. Someone will be rude to you at a bar. All you can do is just know that that person is hurt and a lesser being. You can take legal action when necessary, but in general, you're just going to have to learn to not see them at all and keep your blinders on, unfortunately. That's it. Thanks for listening to PBS. <laughs> and that question was a complex one, but one that I felt was worth answering. The answer does not lie within shaming all men or shaming all Christians or white people or whatever is the main aggressor for something. The answer is treating people on a case-by-case basis just as it as if you'd want just how you'd want to be treated. Um, and know that there are plenty of men out there, specifically for this question, who aren't assholes or bad. Surround yourself with those men. And let them be your advocates at times and and let them show you that not all guys are like this. It's not a man thing. There are assholes out there. They come in all shapes and sizes and genders. So be prepared. No one's immune. Get your bear spray. Now time for my favorite part of the show. It's the top of the cob. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite, top of the cob. My top of the cob today, it's a very small one, but it's something I do often. And everyone's going to make a face at me, and everyone's going to judge me. Oh, no. I'm very used to it. I like to rub my nose. I like to take two fingers and rub both sides, so both nostrils, Uh against the septum, like that middle part or whatever it is. Uh And then I rub it like that, and then I sniff. The inside of my own nostrils. What? I like it. I've always done it. 
I didn't know it was weird. I've told people about it. They're like, that's fucking weird. It's not gross. It's not like I'm sniffing my own butt. I like the way the <laughs> inside of my own nose smells. What? I paid for this nose. I want to sniff it. I'm worried you're going to rip it right off your face. You're for getting, sure. You're going real aggressive at My nose always itches, and I don't know why. I feel like you're, isn't there something, milk or something you can't have? Something that makes my nose itch? Yeah. Milk? I feel like we figured out that there was something you weren't supposed to be having. Oh, interesting. Maybe dairy makes your nose a little runny. My nose is already runny a little bit all the time. That's my top of the cup. <sighs> Smelling gently. The inside. Not my own nose. Well, you have a very powerful sense of smell. I do. I can smell a liar from a mile. <laughs> all right, what's your top of the cup? And it better be good. My top of the cup, genuinely, is the song that I woke up this morning in my head, and it is the top of the cup song. Really? Thank I you. I woke up laying in my bed with Thinking my cat. Thinking of me. It's, um, yeah. I just started saying a song, and I was like, oh, no, Can I hear why? you saying it? Can I hear you saying it? Why? Because it's good. It's the top of the cup. Doing it right. Just take a bite. Top of the cup. You missed every day. There was, I knew there was another sentence. Every day. We just take a bite. I sang it for my cat. You're like, and that's where I got this scratch. And <laughs> she ran off, so. All right, well, my bottom of the cob, and by the way, thank you for that endorsement. <laughs> I'm Emily. I love top of the cob. <laughs> um, the fa- my bottom of the cob is that nothing is healthy. Oof. It, nothing is healthy. Everything you eat is garbage that's designed to kill you. you ha- it is so expensive and difficult to actually eat clean. Unless you just want to eat a chicken breast, and Lord knows how that chicken was raised and what their principles were, and and steamed vegetables, all these power bars, all these, like, protein bars, while tasty, it's basically like eating a candy bar. We've been fooled as Americans into thinking we need this much fucking protein all the time. Everything has sugar. Every sauce has sugar. Every bar has sugar. All your drinks. Nobody ever looks at the sugar. Like, oh, it's fat-free. Yeah, because there's 5,000 grams of sugar. I mean, there. I was eating a Cliff Bar every day at my last job for breakfast. Yeah. And then I was like, God, I've gained so much weight because I would eat it, and then I would go sit at my desk for 10 hours. Packed with chocolate. Okay. What, as a binding agent? So it's frustrating (laughs) as somebody who's, like, trying to, like, slim down for for a movie role. It's frustrating (laughs) that everything— is fortified with garbage and starch and bleach flour and processed everything and sugar, and you really have to go out of your way to even... And, th- and things are all cloaked as healthy. Mm. All these bars, all these juices, people think juicing is healthy. It's not. No, I learned that most yogurts are bad for me. I thought, oh, you eat a Greek yogurt, you're, you're on the right track. No, Greek yogurt, so much sugar. So much sugar, you can look it up. Greek yogurt, the way they make it is bad for the environment. Regular yogurt has a ton of sugar. Every country's got their own style of yogurt. And obviously everything in moderation, but it is frustrating that everything is cloaked as, like, this is healthy. Every company's got a bar. Like, it's only made with dates and bird droppings and caramel (laughs) chunks. So, yes, natural sugar is better than processed sugar, but it's it's just exhausting that everything—and nothing's honest about it. Companies, there's that saying, like, it's not a bug, it's a feature— so you'll get, like, a coffee drink, and they'll be like, oh, it's it's soy-free. Like, yeah, it's fucking coffee and sugar and milk. Of course it's soy-free. You know? Or it'll be like, they're french fries, meat-free. It's like, yeah, they're french fries. Vegan ice cubes, yeah, it shouldn't be a thing. So I just hate that you need, like, a degree to read labels now and everything tries to fool you. At least with candy, you're like, I know it's candy, it's garbage. But the amount of health food out there that acts like it's good for you. Cloaked in nutrition, but a secret killer. That's my bottom of the cob. Oh, boy. Well, my bottom is 
Stubbing your toe. Why does it hurt so bad? Why? I don't know. Isn't it we? I stubbed my little baby toe yesterday, and it hurt for a split second, and then it went away, and I was like, what happened? Because if you stub a big toe, like, you're out. like I Or you've hit your knee or something, and you're just laying on the ground like, oh. why? Why do I feel like this? Why? Hitting your knee when you're, like, at a table, oh. under the table, or your shin, because there's a fucking bar yes. there. And you're like, why is this? It is the worst. And then I always think about in the mafia, they're like, I'll break your knees. And I'm like, that would be... I actually might die from that pain. So you're right. For Horrible. some reason, lower extremities and your elbow. Your elbow. Yeah. Actually, anything. Anything getting hit hurts. Yeah, but it's like why stubbing a toe is just such a it seems like it's such a minor thing, but it's such a specific pain that like take like if I stub my toe r- real bad, I will just lay down on the floor in the fetal position. It'll bring down an elephant. Like a grown man just has to lay there. Uh, I think also it's shitty that it hurts the most because it's the phalange. It's like the part that's out it's there like the a most. Loose, yeah, but it's every, always forward. Every time I feel like Peter Griffin and Family Guy, and I'm just like, argh, argh, like just rocking back and forth. Like God, why? Well, speaking of rocking back and forth, hopefully that's how we leave you—just rocking back and forth in a corner, waiting for more advice. This is Ask Eliza Anything, the podcast where we help your life. Yeah. 